Well, I had an old uh, friend back in Hershey, Pennsylvania, where I was pastor for a number of years, who was probably in his 70s or mid-70s, maybe even getting close to 80, and he was a pastor. He was on the staff at the church where I was working. Uh, and I loved this guy because um, he was so vital in his life. He was so vibrant and, and just energetic, and he was so humble he continued to sort of learn about God throughout um, this stage of his life. We would get down to pray, and he would say, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, we don't know how to pray. And I'm thinking, man, you've been praying for, you know, 60 years. Surely you know how to pray. But he didn't have that sort of arrogant attitude. He was always asking God to teach him. He, he, he had this posture of continual learning and growing. And I looked at him, and I watched him, and I watched him, you know, jump at opportunities to go and minister to people. And I said to myself, I want to be like that when I'm his age. I want to be like that. Maybe you've met somebody like that where, you know, they're older and at a time when people maybe be slowing down or giving up or kind of figuring that uh, they've got it all figured out already, they're still growing and still learning and still open and still seeking the Lord and God is still working in their lives. Um, it's inspiring to be around that kind of a person. Um, and we get to be around that kind of person not only in life but in the scripture too. Caleb, who we've been, we've been studying over this last while, is that kind of a person. We're going to end our series in Caleb, A Life of Faith, today. And we're going to end up with Caleb at age 85. And he's still going strong. He's still taking another hill for the Lord, um, literally and figuratively. And he teaches us what it means to be consistent in faith. And that's really the theme for today. What does it mean to be consistent in our faith? To, to, go, to, to, to go to the end, um, continuing to trust God and to live with a faithful attitude and posture towards life and towards our Lord. So would you open to... Joshua 14, and we're going to look at the last story we have on the life of Caleb. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we'll give one to you. Um, don't be shy. We want to make sure you're able to read the scripture. It's also a Bible you could take home with you if you need that. It's page 130 in that one. And, and while you're finding your place, I'm going to bring you up to speed on where we're at in the story of the life of Caleb. This is our fourth Sunday looking at Caleb's life and our last one. And what's gone on so far, just to bring you back up to speed, you remember uh, the Israelites were in Egypt, they were enslaved and crying for a way out. God gave them a way out. That's what the word exodus means, is a way out. Exodus means a way out. God gave them a way out of Egypt. He breaks them free, and they come to the Red Sea. The Egyptian army's chasing them. God splits the Red Sea. Remember this story? And they walk through, and then the waters come on the Egyptian army, and so they're freed from the pursuers. And they come out into the wilderness, and they're there for a little while, and then God calls 12 of them to go up into what's going to be called the promised land. This is the land that they were promised to have as a land flowing with milk and honey. And these 12 go up into the promised land to spy it out and to bring a report back to the rest of the people of Israel so they can go up and take the land. But they're split Contingent. They come back and 10 of them say, it's too big, There's too, too, the, the people there are too big, we can't take it, we're intimidated. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, say, no, God is bigger than anything we're going to face in the, in the promised land. Let's go, let's do this. And the people of Israel side with the grumblers and they start grumbling. They even say, we want to go back to Egypt because at least we had food there even though we were slaves. 
It's amazing. But that's their response. And then God says, well, okay, because of your lack of faith, Israel, I'm going to cause you to wait 40 years before you get to go into the promised land. A whole generation is going to have to pass by, and then your children will go into the promised land. But he says to the two faithful ones, Joshua and Caleb, I'm going to sustain you for this period, and you'll be able to go in to the promised land with the next generation. And where we're picking up the story right now is where Caleb is getting to enter in and to take hold of the portion of land that is meant for him and his family. And it's going to be a lesson on how you remain faithful, consistent, how you end, finish well in life as you follow the Lord. Look with me in Joshua 14, verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now, give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, Caleb, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. As we look at this passage this morning, we're going to learn what, is it, what it means to be consistent in life and in faith. We're going to learn from Caleb, 85 years old. Caleb uh, exemplifies consistent faith to the end. In fact, that'll be our first point. And then we're going to talk about how we can be consistent as well. But first, let's look at the life of Caleb. He finishes well. He's got this vitality, this humility about him. He's a man of action. Um, and most importantly, he's still trusting in God to the very end. Verse 11. I love verse 11. It's, 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 it's just crazy. He says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. Now, Hebron was a significant place that was given to Caleb. This town that was given to Caleb is very significant. In fact, when we go back to the spies initially going into this region, 
It was in Hebron where they saw the giants that caused 10 of them the great fear. And it was just north of Hebron, the valley of Eshkol, where they got the big fruit that they came back. And that in of itself was kind of intimidating to think of the land was filled with all of these riches and they were overwhelmed by it. And so how fitting. You know, this is the epicenter of the whole controversy, you know, where the 10 disagree because they see the giants in the land. And it's this, and Caleb has faith. He says, no, we can take it. It's this very plot of land that God ends up giving to Caleb these 40 years later. How fitting. Such very typical the way God works. So the city was fortified. It's old. We're told here that it's older than this, this city in Egypt called Zoan, which is maybe the place where the plagues took place right in that region. And so it's almost like a harbinger reminding us that God overcame that challenge as well. And now he's going to overcome the next one in Hebron. And it's filled with these powerful people, the Anakim. And we know that the Anakim are the son, I mean, the children of the Nephilim. Now, that might not mean much to you, but if you go back in Genesis, you'll see that the Nephilim are the giants. They're the giants. And so these are the powerful people in Hebron, the ones living in Hebron. And it's these people that, that uh, Caleb's going to go and defeat so he can take over the land. And, and they're led or were led by this, this Arba, we have his name, who's a strong man. It's called a strong man. And so how fitting that this 85-year-old Caleb is going to enter in and meet the strong man. And by God's grace and with God's help, he's going to essentially become the new strong man. That's the example of Caleb for us. He, he, he continues, he perseveres in faith, um, still going strong, and still taking another hill, literally, the hill of Hebron, taking another hill at age 85. Um, and we may not have the energy that Caleb has. Of course, there's something spiritual going on here and powerful. Um, but it's the posture and the attitude that I want us to think about and reflect on. Um, we don't see many 85-year-olds going to battle these days. Um, who would even have the strength to do that? But there's a mental posture that Caleb manifests that we can all, no matter what our strength, lay onto. And this is what God wants for us. In fact, it's a key teaching in the New Testament. So if you look to Jesus, for example, Jesus says in Luke 12, 35, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. I think we'll put that up there. Yeah, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So this is part of Jesus' teaching, is that we would continue to be ready. We see it in the life of Paul, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And one more from the New Testament, Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. I wish I could read the whole chapter to you, but we don't have time. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. 
And then it goes on to outline person after person who maintained faith until the end. And they're commended for that very thing. So not only is Caleb an example to us, but he points forward to the teaching in the New Testament and the way that we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live with this consistency, this vitality and humility, this finishing well, this leaning on God till uh, our last days. And it's so fitting for us to end this series on faith to think about what does it mean to be consistent down through our whole lives in faith. Now, the hard thing about faith is, is sometimes the, the realization that you never outgrow the need for faith. You never outgrow the need for faith. This is an important point. The only time you're going to outgrow it is when you get to heaven. And you don't, you're going to see God. You don't have to, you don't have, to have that faith because you're going to see God face to face. But until then, we keep trusting day in and day out. And I wonder if you've ever felt tired of that pro- the prospect of having to live by faith for the rest of your days. Has it ever seemed tiring to you? Have you ever had that moment where you come through something and... You learned a lesson, you, you met a challenge, you trusted God, and it's over now, and your temptations feel like, I've learned the lesson of faith. And you turn the corner, and there's another one staring right at you. Another challenge or difficulty, and you sense that what has to happen now is you've got to have more faith. You, gotta, you, you, you don't get to grow, outgrow faith. There's no moment in this life when you get to outgrow faith and say, I'm done with that, I've figured that out, I get to move on. And it's best for us just to realize that's the truth now and stop trying to figure out if there's a day when everything's going to be under control, all the uncertainties will be minimized and we won't have to have faith in God. That's not happening. Just want to say that, encouraging you today until, until heaven. And then it will happen in the city of God. That's what it's going to be like. But until then, we never outgrow faith. And our problem is we think that faith is a work we do. And, and this is where I get caught up. I come around the corner. I've just been through a difficulty, and God has taught me to trust him. And um, then I see another challenge, and I think, oh, no, now I have to exercise all this faith again to meet this challenge. As if faith is something I do, as if it's like a work I bring to it. And and that's not what faith is at all. Faith is casting yourself on the one who can work. And as long as we remember that, then it makes it much more possible. He never tires never fails. So we come around the corner, we've learned the lesson of faith, and now we see the next challenge, and we think, I'm too tired. Well, it's not about you and whether you're tired or not. It's about God and whether or not he's tired. Let me remind you about God. Isaiah 40. So cool. In the first service, Kimberly read Isaiah 40. Um, we, the people who read scripture, I love it. Uh, Miguel just says, you know, read the passage that we're teaching on and pick out a scripture. And it, it forces people to get into the word and figure it out. And she read this Isaiah 40 passage. Um, and I'd already planned to share it with you. It says this in Isaiah 40, 28. I'm going to read all the way to 31. We're going to put the first part of it up there. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. 
Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So our faith is contingent not upon our strength, but upon the strength of God. And God has shown himself to be infinitely strong and, and permanently strong and strong enough for the next hill you have to take and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that. And Caleb gets it. That's what's amazing about Caleb. He gets it. He's still strong because God is still strong. That's the secret to Caleb's strength, is God's strength. And that's the message for us this morning. If we want to finish out this series on being a people of faith, what does it mean to live well, to carry out to the end as people of faith, then this is the message for us. We can be faithful because God is faithful, because God is strong. So let's talk about this. What does it mean for us to be consistent? We can be consistent like Caleb in our faith. And consistency in faith comes from, first of all, devotion to God. That's what's in the text here. Devotion to God. Look with me in verse 8. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. That's reference to the ten spies who came back and cried about how they're not going to be able to go in the land. And everybody believed them and their hearts melted. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9. If you're an underliner, by the way, if you have a Bible and you like to underline things, underline, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And then verse 9. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever. Why? Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses said. So twice so far we have that same phrase, wholly follow the Lord my God. And then go down to verse 14. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kezanite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. So, so if we want to be like Caleb and we want to be consistent in faith, we have to think about our devotion. And that's what Caleb models for us. He's devoted to the Lord. He wholly follows the Lord three times in this passage. And where does his devotion come from? This is the interesting question. Um, where does he get this kind of devotion to God? And there's a window into it in the beginning of the story of Caleb's life that we have, at least. Um, he goes up to spy the land. He comes back. The ten say, oh, we can't go into the land. The people are too big. And then the people of Israel start to believe him. And they're saying, no, let's go back to slavery in Egypt. We can't do this. And what does Caleb do at that moment? Anybody remember what Caleb does? He tears his clothes. He tears his clothes. That's a pretty strong statement. And it's a window into the psyche of Caleb. He so identifies with God. He's so devoted to the Lord. He cares so deeply about the things of God. His desires have so much become whatever God desires. That when he sees the people turn away from God, he can't stand it. And he tears his clothes. When's the last time you saw somebody tear their clothes in frustration 
because the people around him, you know, weren't following the Lord. Yeah, nobody. We haven't seen that. Now, I've seen some people pretty devoted and get pretty frustrated at times. But, man, this is somebody who loves the Lord and, and has forgotten himself to some degree. And he just, he just doesn't want anybody to get off track with the Lord. I think the one place where we sometimes encounter this is with sports, right? Where we get closest to tearing our clothes. I'm thinking of the Warriors 2016 season right now. You know, they had the best season in the whole ever in NBA. We, like, none of us ever really watched basketball that much because there's so many games. But we all started watching the games because they were winning more than anybody in the history of basketball had ever won. And we're beginning to identify more and more deeply. And then we get to the finals and we're thinking, this is game over, right? This is the best team there's ever been. And then they lose. And I wanted to tear my clothes. I just wanted to tear my clothes. And first service, people, just the thought of that moment, people were putting their heads down and just shaking. I see, you know, it's just painful. And why is that? Because we started tracking with the Warriors in that beginning of that season. And then we got interested because this was unique and unprecedented. And so we started watching the games and thinking about the players. And we got deeper and deeper into this team and the journey that they were on. We were tracking with them daily. You know, you put your alerts on the phone so you know when the game starts and when it's halftime. And you're just following. You're just engrossed. So when they lost, it was so incredible painful because you had identified so deeply with their journey and their saga. And this is Caleb with the Lord. He identifies so deeply with what God is doing that when it doesn't go well, he just can't stand it. And this is the call for us. This is what it means to be devoted to God. And this is what God is calling. If we want to be people who, who make it to the end, who finish well, who have faith all the way, we've got to be devoted to the Lord, holy to the Lord, in the same way that Caleb was. We've got to track with God his desires. You know what? Caleb was, God had a, a, a way of, of talking about this aspect of Caleb. He said he had a different spirit. He had a different spirit. And that's my prayer for us individually and collectively, that we would have a different spirit. We would have a different spirit. That we would be so wholly devoted to God, so wrapped up that our desires would just be what God desires, that his desires would become our desires. We would be so deep in, you know, that that devotion would just seep into every pore of our being, into the fabric of our very identity so that we couldn't help but be consistent in our faith. We couldn't make, help but make it to the end, continuing to trust in God, be devoted. Last week we talked about Scripture and the importance of reading Scripture. And if you want to be devoted to the Lord, you just can't get away from this idea of reading your Bibles. And I challenged you last week. I said, you know, what are you doing? Um, what is your plan? Are you reading the Bible regularly? What does it look like? And we put up a, a, a blog on our Opiso website, which is our discipleship website, O-P-I-S-O. And it describes different ways 
to plan your Bible reading so that you're in the Word on a consistent basis. And I just want to circle back this morning and say, how did it go this week? Did you, did you follow through? Did you make a plan? Because this is absolutely critical to what it means to being devoted to God, is we have to know what God's will is and we have to be in the Scripture on a daily basis. I've been reading through First and Second Chronicles this last week. How many people read First and Second Chronicles? You know, and I'm reading through, and and I'm I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'm reading about uh, Asa in one point, and and then how he's in this kind of deal with King Baasha, and then King Ben-Hadad gets involved, and I'm reading it, and I'm thinking to myself, what does this have to do with Albany, California, 2017, right? And, and you have those moments when you're reading the scripture, and then I read a few more verses, and all of a sudden, boom, it just pops out. For the eyes, Second Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. And that verse just leaps off the page and pierces my soul, kind of hits me between the eyes, right? That's what I needed in that morning, to know that, that God... He's got this posture of he's looking into this created world and the people that he made, and he's just, he's just screening. He's looking back and forth, to and fro. Who needs my help? Who's devoted to me and needs my help? And I want to raise my hand and say, right here, Lord, it's me. You wouldn't know that if you weren't devoted to God, if you didn't get in the Word, you wouldn't know that that's who He is and that's what He's doing right now. So if we want to be consistent, if we want to make it to the end in faith, then we got to be devoted like Caleb was devoted. Consistency, you could say it this way, consistency in faith is a byproduct of devotion. Consistency in faith is a byproduct of our devotion to the Lord. That's what Caleb teaches us. So, consistency in faith comes from being devoted. It comes from another thing that's in this text, and that is being daring. Being devoted and being daring. Look again with me in verse 11. I am still as strong today, Caleb says, as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, 85 years old. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. This is a daring act on the part of Caleb. And he even says, it may be that the Lord will be with me and he'll give me this land. Right? There's some uncertainty involved, obviously, in the way he says it. He em- but he embraces that uncertainty. And that's part of what keeps him going to the end. The ability to embrace the uncertainty of life through faith in God is part of what it means to be consistent to the end, to be daring to the end. There's a huge temptation for us to remove, to try to remove all the uncertainty of life. Do you see that in your own, in your own life? This, I think this is a particularly American or maybe it's just a modern form of idolatry 
where we're striving to take away any of the uncertainty in, that we might be experiencing or could potentially experience in life. And, you know, we could talk about all different ways that that expresses itself. You don't have to think very much about it. You know, we have, you know, clocks and schedules and calendars that go all the way out into the future, long into the future, telling us exactly where we'll be and when we'll be there, in part to remove some of the uncertainty. We have all kinds of money in our... Nobody's ever lived with the kind of wealth, and much of that wealth that we have collectively is put towards our own safety and protection. You can get insurance for any kind of thing that you would want. In this world, you ha we have uh, GPS maps so that we make sure that we don't ever get lost when we're on our way. And we even put them on now when we know where we're going just to make sure we find the fastest way um, to get there because we don't want to have the uncertainty of being there a couple minutes later than we would have been had we gone the other way. Um, and there's a new product. It seems like every moment, you know, coming out to remove the uncertainty of life. Um, I looked on my phone. I have five weather apps on my phone. <laughs> five. So that I can look at one and I might doubt that one and I go to the other one and then I compare and I, I sort of do a triangulation with multiple weather apps before I leave my house <laughs> to make sure that I have the clearest sense of what the weather is going to be. And there was a day uh, a while back where I forgot to look and I got outside and I was completely wrongly dressed for the day. I couldn't remember what it was. I think it was a cold day and I was dressed, you know, in something that was too, that wasn't warm enough. And it was exhilarating, the chaos that that brought into my life at that moment. Um, I felt like such a, I was just living on the edge, you know. There's this impulse and, and, and it's actually a God-given impulse because what we want is heaven. We want the city of God. And that's why we crave for certainty and control because it's deeply embedded in us and, and, and it will one day it will be but not in this life until we get to heaven will we build it and, and the call on us as Christians is knowing that we have that certainty of the city of God in the future can we be daring now with the lives that we have in this earth? knowing that we're protected and taken care of can we risk more than anybody else to lay our lives down like Jesus for the sake of those in need, for the sake of those around us. That's what the daring life of faith entails. Um, and it's interesting, you know, Caleb is strong at age 85. There is something about living in a daring way that, that enlivens and strengthens us. Do you feel that? It quickens the spirit a little bit. So that, you know, if we look in the New Testament, we see um, the friends of the paralytic coming. And, you know, because of their faith, they're sort of enlivened to climb up on the roof and dig a hole and drop their friend down before Jesus. And you see Peter, you know, who in this sort of daring moment steps out of the boat to walk towards Jesus, right? That's... That's what it does to the person. You see the woman who had this hemorrhage pushing through the crowd. She's scared, but she's pushing through the crowd because she wants to touch the, Jesus' hem and be healed from her sickness. And, and Zacchaeus, 
climbing up in the tree. I mean, he's a, he's a respectable man. He shouldn't be hanging out in trees. And, and, and yet, because of his daringness that's, that's brought about by this desire to see Jesus, he climbs up. into. There's, a, there's an enlivening effect that comes with faith. And I've experienced in my own life, I look at a challenge and, and, and I could just feel so overwhelmed by it. But when God brings the eyes of faith, the strength comes to begin to face it and to meet it. And we see that in the life of Caleb. He's got this incredible strength, this enlivening faith at age 85 because of the way he's devoted to God and his willingness to be daring, his willingness to continue to embrace the uncertainty of life, to even be willing to take another hill at age 85. So devotion and daring... There's a great exchange between Jesus and Paul, and this is what I'm going to finish with. Um, Paul has this vision in the New Testament of heaven. He gets caught up into heaven, and it's just this powerful, powerful vision, almost too much for him to absorb. And at the same time that this vision comes, a thorn comes. And we don't know what this is exactly, but a thorn, some sort of suffering, some sort of difficulty Paul gets. And he goes to the Lord and he says, Essentially, can you take this away from me, this suffering that I would not want? He, he, in a way, he's saying, do I have, you know, you just given me this great vision of heaven and that's what I want to think about. That's where I want to be. I just want to sit in that. Oh, do I have to trust you for this thorn? Do I have to keep having faith in the middle of this thorn? Can you just take this thorn away from me? Jesus says to him these words. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more, Paul says, gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, all the things that require us to meet them with faith. For when I am weak, then, he says, I am strong. Being like Caleb is not being superhuman and, and whipping up faith that's not there and pretending that you've got it all figured out. Being like Caleb is recognizing that you don't have the resources to meet whatever Hebron is in front of you or thorn is besieging you, but that God does. And it's in your very weakness that he will bring those resources to bear And so, yes, it's time to have faith again, right? Yes, this challenge requires faith too. But it doesn't require you to be strong enough to fix it all. Because that's not what faith is. Faith is trusting God, who is strong enough, to meet the need and help you with the challenge. So what is your thorn right now? Or what is maybe 
what is your next, what is your Hebron right now? What are you facing? What is calling forth from you the kind of faith that Caleb manifests? The truth is that Jesus is sufficient. That's what it says. That's what Jesus says to Paul in his weakness. Jesus is sufficient to meet it. And he's, he's sufficient to meet this Hebron that you're facing. And he's sufficient to meet the next one that comes after that. And then the next one that comes after that. And the next one that comes after that. All the way until you're 85 or 90 or whatever life God gives you. And your time is done. And that's the life of consistent faith. So God, would you call us into deeper relationship with you? We want to be wholly following you. Call us into your scriptures. Call us into prayer. Call us into community so that we begin to track with you in the way that Caleb tracked with you, that our desires are shaped by your desires, that in fact your desires become our desires and our greatest longing. And then as we think about being daring people, remind us of the security that we have in the city of God. That there will be no perfect certainty in this life. And sometimes the more we seek after that certainty, the further we get outside of your will. And we know that the safest place is to be in your will. So remind us and call us and empower us and enable us to be daring today and tomorrow and the next day as we continue to, to live the life of faith for however many years that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.